welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, Senior Editor at Light Reading. Jeff, uh, thank you for having me. I'm Masim Mir. I'm the VPGM, responsible for our cable, mobile, and IoT business in Cisco. Great. Well, Masim, thanks for your time. We're here at uh, Cisco Live in Las Vegas. And earlier today, I, I was listening to a panel you were on, and, and the topic was the metaverse, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's an area that we're all trying to keep an eye on, trying to figure out, like, uh, the difference between the reality and the hype, and, and right now, it's a little bit of a mix of both, right? So, um, but I think there's a lot of ideas about what the metaverse will be or look like. You know, we've seen movies that, that kind of get into it. Uh, a lot of people have ideas about what the metaverse is going to be, even meta does, of course, uh, you know, the Facebook. So, what do you think is realistic here, like within maybe the next three to five years in terms of what the metaverse might be? So it's a great question. I think we are all scratching the surface. Um, this is like going back 20 years ago and we were all asking similar question about cloud and then we asked the next question about, okay, what will happen with social networking? So we have gone through this big transformation again and again. Uh, obviously what we realized that Today, we don't live in a single world. And pandemic has taught us that we have a physical world and we have a virtual world. Many of the businesses moved into hybrid. Obviously, consumers as well are going into hybrid pattern. You go to store, you also go shop online, right? right. You still go to movie, you also use Netflix. So we see that Metaverse is going to build yet another universe for us. We have a physical world, we have a virtual world, and then there's the Metaverse world. What the end state is going to be, it's big unknown. But we know something for sure. The so something is happening. Something is happening. The, okay. the end outcome, maybe it is too early to call. Yeah. But in every technology evolution like that, we should actually roll back and go to foundations. That fundamentally what is needed. We should not be shy, we should not be scared about the next technology that could disrupt. But when I, because I'm responsible for building infrastructure and making sure internet continues to grow, right? So few assumptions that we are making, just like what happened with hybrid work and uh, things becoming social and you know, interaction of the physical world and the virtual world, what's happening today, we'll see more of that happening when metaverse happens, regardless of if it is for consumer or if it is for businesses. We strongly believe that demand for bandwidth will continue to grow. There's one little change that we might see in the metaverse world. What we have experienced during pandemic when we all started to work from home. Demand for symmetric capacity in the network. Because when it is interactive, you are not only consuming bandwidth, you are also going to send bandwidth. So a lot of back and forth will happen. So we have to think about building the internet that's more robust and more symmetric. Another key attribute we have to think about, because when you're going into metaverse, it is going to be our own experience. And when it is experience, response time needs to get almost real time. That means your future of the internet needs to also reduce end-to-end -end latency. So the way we look into the metaverse, you try to catch the early signals, what will change, and make sure you're building or evolving your internet to be ready for metaverse to be a native citizen on the same internet. Right. Well, and, and everything you say there when you're talking about high capacity, low latency, uh, maybe we'll talk about security a little bit, but when you, when you talk about all those things, it kind of reminds me of uh, what the cable industry has been 
pursuing with this 10G program, right? Um, it's network agnostic, at least from the, the access network. So I was kind of curious, like, what elements of the technology chain are like in good shape right now to underpin whatever the, the metaverse might become, or at least some thoughts about where it, uh, where it could go? And, you know, what elements are still kind of maybe sci-fi, you know, at this point? I think there's a lot of good experimentation as well as use case building up for the consumer experience mm -hmm. in the metaverse. But uh, the business usage of metaverse most probably is in very, very early phases. We have seen some progression in very sophisticated industries, starting with you know digital twins, looking into some very specific missions where you see that the technology, metaverse technology, could actually be a big augmentation, but it is very, very early. So the business usage of metaverse most probably in the very, very early stage, I'll call it a little bit, sounds like sci-fi. Right. But Actually, business usage might have the best potential. Business usage. Business okay, usage might have the best yeah. uh, potential yeah. because in all businesses today, we do have shortage of talent. As the technology evolves, uh, metaverse can create learning a lot more immersive. So as we think about helping our workforce to evolve faster, helping remote workforce to be more productive, metaverse can be a powerful tool for those businesses. Now, from a, if I now try to go back into the cable industry and maybe cable industry and overall service provider industry, right? So cable industry have proven their robustness during pandemic. That a matter of time, suddenly all users working from home have so many connections, they did not let us down. I think they're on the right path. And the, the whole idea of driving even more bandwidth to the consumers uh, over their broadband network is the right thing. I also think that cable industry have a lot of experience on video and content delivery. But it's mostly delivering to us, not yet taking content from us, sending it to other places. I think that experience and expertise in cable industry might play out in their advantage. And there's a lot to learn by you know, other wireline operators as well as mobile operators, what cable industry has done. Okay. And you, there's another thing you kind of brought up, and that is uh, on the panel about the network itself, the internet. Like you can't reconstruct the internet or you can't have a parallel networks between like this is going to support the metaverse and this is going to support everything else and we kind of know the, the internet to be. So... Uh, how do you kind of see that that working out? Is it, are we talking just enhancements, you know, to the existing internet versus having to build something from scratch the, the parallel way, to what we have now? The, the way I look at it is, um, this has been a phenomenal progression of internet in the last 30 years, right? And we thought that hey, internet is going to fumble. It did not. It kept pace. If we go back to the basics, that can we continue to drive cost-effective capacity and equal access to everyone in the planet? If that is our purpose for the internet, and we do the right things, metaverse just going to be another citizen on, on the internet, right? So I don't think it is practical in, in any way to think about building a parallel universe, a parallel internet. It has to be the same internet evolving there. So what we think are going to be needed 
in internet architect there, there are inefficiency that we can optimize. If there are too many layers, we should de-layer the network. Now, something that Cisco has been investing heavily, that we, and we need deep investment in silicon technologies, optics technologies to de-layer your network. Driving tremendous amount of bandwidth anywhere to anywhere in the internet. It's not only client to the cloud, content to the consumer, but anywhere to anywhere pattern. If we pay attention to that, I'm very confident that the internet for the future will make metaverse a native citizen. Okay. And the other thing that came up was we didn't talk about security, right? And and kind of the, yeah, I mean, that was, that's been a big theme here at Cisco Live is, uh, you know, the security, cybersecurity can't be, uh, you know, these one-off purpose-built things. It's got to be an ecosystem. It's got to be fully integrated. Uh, but when you think about the, um, uh, the metaverse, there's some other wrinkles that can kind of be thrown into the mix, right? We're talking about uh, other ways for a person's identity to be stolen or somebody to, you know, somehow steal currency from their, you know, cryptocurrency bank or, or whatever it is. But you, uh, that was another thing that kind of came up. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the, uh, the security implications that, or threats potentially that you know, the metaverse might present. So uh, I actually say that if we just decompose the metaverse and the foundation of technologies, there are a lot of goodness that's happening on that ecosystem that can make security more robust. But there are some technology elements that can make it super robust in the future. Like how do we manage trust and there is a single source of truth um, in, in some of the constructs. That can be super beneficial. But this whole idea of, I'll think about security later, I think we need to rethink that. Right, so that security you need to have it at the very front end? built in, mm -hmm. day one. Yeah. And we have learned it again and again with, with social networking, it happened with you know, distributed internet. You know, we saw this in a workload running everywhere and then I don't know what to protect, what to protect. We have a unique opportunity because metaphors is early, we have built a tremendous amount of learning, the, the, the threat vectors, where the threat comes from, do you have enough visibility? One of the problems that we have had in the past, we did not see enough. If you don't see something, you cannot act on it. So as we think about metaverse, I think we have an opportunity to take, leverage some of these technologies to make security and the trust more robust. But metaverse architecture should think about security and privacy from get-go. <laughs> we should not leave another moment that has happened in, in the social networking, right? We build a whole bunch of social platform and then the privacy aspect was a discussion in the market after the fact. Right. Right? Enough damage was done. So we have an opportunity here as it is a new technology bringing the security and the trust conversation and the privacy conversation up front. And it's not just us. I think it is a, at a policy level, at an industry level, and the ecosystem. As an ecosystem, we need to be more mindful about privacy, security, and the trustworthiness of the system. Okay. All right, good. And there's a lot covered here this morning during the keynotes we were talking about. I want, I want to can talk a little bit about the relationship with the cable industry and kind of how that's evolving, right? We're talking about car connectivity, we're talking about security, monitoring, the high, you know, supporting the hybrid workforce that, that is kind of coming out of the, uh, from the pandemic. Uh, so if I'm a 
cable operator or even any sort of broadband operator with an access network, uh, I mean, what would you say are kind of the big takeaways or the biggest things that are going to help me going forward uh, in terms of the, the focus here so far at the event? I think uh, many of the cable operators are already doing it. Yep. Equal access to every citizen. Same quality of service for every citizen is something that we should all aspire to do. It's not only good for business, it's good for our society. Uh, but the second aspect, there is tremendous amount of opportunities to help small businesses to participate in the digital economy. So even today, there is tremendous amount of opportunity that the broadband network has become so powerful. And what we have done with broadband, tied with SD-WAN and the SASE architecture, if you have a broadband service, you can tie in some of these you know, embedded security, embedded SD-WAN, and then bring it to the small businesses as well. So this is a low-hanging fruit I see that every broadband provider has an opportunity to, to create a level playing field, not only for every citizen, but also for smaller businesses. Okay. The other thing I want to ask is kind of how then your company's role, you know, with the cable operator has evolved, or maybe how it is evolving, right? Because, you know, in the past, we, we'd always talk to you guys about access hardware, you know, things like amplifiers, things like nodes. Um, but, you know, it, it feels like that is not going to be the necessarily the core of the relationship, you know, between Cisco and the cable industry. So uh, how, how do you see that relationship looking kind of moving forward? And maybe what, what are the biggest opportunities, you know, for you guys as well as, you know, the operators you're working with? So I, I see it this way that, you know, our commitment to fundamentally you know, reduce the life cycle cost of the infrastructure is very strong. We are putting tremendous amount of investment in optics, in silicon, as well as system automation. And it is applicable to all operators. And, and obviously cable operators carrying tremendous amount of capacity will benefit from that. But on top of that, we're also creating platforms highly secure to create more and more business services. Now we have created SD-WAN services, managed security services, we are bringing like connected car services that you talked about. So these are the two areas where we think for long-term sustainability of the, uh, of the ecosystem, our strong commitment on delivering this outcome, that we will help you to take structural cost out and continuously meet the demand that you have. And on the parallel side, bring technologies to help you create more and more business services. Okay. Well, maybe to be more specific, we've got Doxus 4.0 on the horizon, right? And we're trying to keep tabs on how that's going to develop. So what you just said there in terms of the role and how that's going to evolve, does that fit in with you know, that sort of initiative or even the broader you know, 10G initiative that's underway? So look, again, in the cable industry, that's a little bit of a wild card, right? Yep. Is it Doxis 4.0? And the market is a little fragmented today among our operator. Doxis 4.0, symmetric 10 gig, or shall we start to deploy fiber deep to the home, right? Like, right. you know, fiber to the home. These are competing. And look, it, it's not really us, but our operator community is going to settle. I think fragmentation is not good. Um, if we had more converged approach to it, market could move faster. But our commitment is, Regardless of how, what you do on that layer of the network, 
we will continue to make sure we are giving you the best value for the rest of the network, like you know, your you know, high capacity network that you need to support these type of different access technologies. We're there to help and we will continue to drive innovation in our optics, in our silicon, and as well as our automation technologies. And we'll continue to ramp up more and more on service creation. All right. Mason, thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate the opportunity to catch up with you here at Cisco Live. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for spending time with me and thank you for being here live in Cisco Labs. Yeah, it's good to be back in person. <laughs> so. Thank you.